This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, November 30th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. The process of putting voters directly in charge of selecting legislation has risks and opportunities. John Caldera, president of the Independence Institute in Colorado, says the rewards of the initiative process tend to outweigh the costs and often serve as a check on legislatures that are out of touch with the demands of people. We spoke last month in Nashville. Some states... If you want to put a measure on the ballot, the state legislature has to approve it. And uh, in other states, a group of people with an idea and a uh, passionate commitment to that idea can simply get it on the ballot with enough support from the public. So how do those states differ and, and how, do, how, do those, how does that function? I think you'll find that a lot of the Western states are the ones that created systems to get around corrupt legislators. A hundred years ago that a lot of the mining interests and agricultural interests had a complete lockhold on these states, and many of them found a way to get around through the initiative process. It's called the initiative and referendum, and there's actually two different ways of doing this. The referendum is that when the legislature passes a new law and the citizens don't like it, they can overturn it with a, with a vote. The initiative is where the citizens create their own new law and bring it to the people and basically leap right over the legislature to make these changes. In a state like Colorado, our Constitution clearly says that we, the people, are actually part of the legislature. So everyone is a legislator. All right. So um, my... Uh Libertarian spidey sense tingles when you mm-hmm. when I hear about uh, the initiative, and libertarians often see downside. In fact, that's probably the uh, default position for most libertarians. But when when I think about an initiative, I think, oh well, they're gonna, they're just going to hike up the minimum wage, or they're going to tax some disfavored industry, and and uh, this would be an example for some of too much democracy. There is the f- democratic fear of mob rule. And I can understand the pure libertarian feeling of we can't, we have to have these protections to keep mob rule from, from taking over. But it doesn't actually work that way. What you'll find, at least in modern politics, is that the establishment, the system, is very closed off. If you're part of the political class, if you're part of the lobbying class, you have a lot of power. We, the people, have very little power. And so when it comes to reigning in government, having control over government, the initiative process is what gives us that final check and balance. Things like term limits. Term limits will never come to Congress unless we have an Article 5 convention to change that. In Colorado and many other states, we do have term limits because over and over citizens have put it on. The Taxpayer Bill of Rights, which, by the way, Republicans and Democrats hate equally because it says if you're going to raise taxes or if you're going to spend more money, you have to ask permission first. That would not happen without the initiative process. A lot of our transparency laws and open meetings, open records laws, uh, these have all come through. A ban on public funding of abortion came through the initiative process. Now, the left certainly has used it as well. We've got campaign finance reforms and ethics laws. Some are good. Some are awful. What I hear when I hear that fear of a mob mentality is a basic distrust of the people. 
Where I think we go wrong is we get so wrapped up in the politics of how to pass something, who, what's a good policy, who's going to make it happen, we forget that politics is a lagging indicator. Culture is the leading indicator. And when we have a culture of freedom, when we have a culture of liberty, well, then we're going to find the laws like Taxpayer Bill of Rights, term limits, ethics laws, transparency laws, all will follow. The real worry for me is we need to work on culture and politics will happen. It is the last real resort that we, the people, have to rein in runaway government. We've seen, as you mentioned, Tabor in Colorado, but uh, in some cases, haven't initiatives appeared to come into conflict with one another? It depends on who you talk to. Okay. But yes, it is possible. And that's not a terrible thing. What it means is then you have a competition of priorities. And when you have a competition of priorities, the question is, who do you want to decide that? Do you want the establishment, including the courts and politicians, to decide that? Or do you want the people to decide that? The initiative process allows a voice for the people to set their priorities. We have to remember that the system is rigged. At the risk of sounding like Donald Trump, the system is rigged. And if we want true reforms, if we want libertarian reforms, how do we make them happen? Well, the purest model is, well, we just need to elect the right people, and over time that will happen. I look at the states that don't have the initiative process. They don't have those reforms. The states that do have those reforms. I'll give you a case in point. New York State does not have the initiative process. So, therefore, they don't have term limits. Yet, the city of New York, which is a wildly liberal, progressive city, because they do have an initiative process, they have term limits for their politicians. So, in other words, overwhelmingly, people want these reforms, but the system is biased against it. How does uh, the specter of an initiative alter how lawmakers do their jobs? Legislators are scared to death of the initiative process. It's why it is constantly under attack in Colorado and is year in and year out from, from the establishment. But it's one of the best signals to legislators that if they go too far, they can be checked. And quite often, initiatives get filed and the legislature will respond with a measure that maybe is not as draconian as they see uh, on the initiative and pass something preemptively, which takes the wind out of the sails of the initiative. In other words, the initiative is, can kickstart legislation that otherwise would be, would be dampened. So it'd be like a half a loaf reform. Exactly. En enough to quiet, but it's movement in the right direction. Let me, let me give you an example. Two years ago, I put on the ballot an initiative that would require that negotiations between school districts and their teachers' unions be open to the public. Now, this seems like a pretty simple transparency issue. Over the last decade, when this bill was introduced, it failed five times over in committee. It never even got a hearing on the floor. But yet, when we brought it to the people directly, it passed 70 to 30. So we've opened up the windows so people can look into their local governments. But the 
education associations and the teachers' unions killed it each and every time through the process. So while I hear purists say, you know, the process is you bring in people who share your values. Yeah, they share your values. But until you can get the teachers' union to share your values, you're never going to get the changes you want in government. So you see it, uh, the initiative, as something that can temper the persistent problem within government of concentrated benefits and diffuse costs. That is to say, some group benefits a great deal from a particular policy being in place, uh, and they're willing to spend a lot of money to keep it in place. And without the initiative, they could, they're could they much more likely to succeed. Absolutely. The, the issue is concentrated interest and in the power they have over, over government. And it's, it's a cozy relationship. It might not always be pleasant. But there is no safeguard to that except the initiative process. I'll give you another case. Um, we passed the Taxpayer Bill of Rights in 1992, and it did remarkable things. It saved Colorado from becoming California. But the courts that hate Tabor have weakened it over and over and rewritten it, basically. So they say you need a you need a vote of the people to raise taxes. But if you call taxes a fee, you don't need to do that. Uh, you can have a vote for for debt that's required. Unless you relabel debt, something like certificates of participation, then you can get around it. So there's all these little decisions. If we don't have the initiative process, we can't go and override the courts and change it and say, no, fees are also taxes and they need to be voted on. Debt is debt, and here's how it's described. So without, without the initiative process, the state constitution fossilizes, and it's open to interpretation from liberal courts, and there's no way to, to have a balance. John Caldera is president of the Independence Institute in Colorado. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>